Welcome into the Pits and Peril podcast. This is our first full-length episode of season two. Pretty exciting and uh, kind of a bullshit episode. Not really a lot to talk about, but the people demand entertainment. So I uh, I sent a message over to our faithful commish, Mr. Anthony Yazaki, and he said, "Let's do it." Anthony, how you doing? Good, man. It's been a yeah, it's been a long off season, but the draft is officially two weeks away at this point, and uh, yeah, feeling pretty excited about that. And yeah, you uh, you reached out to see if I wanted to, to you know do a little reckless speculation about the season to come. So you know we got to give the people of Germany what they want. Exactly. Uh, so obviously not much to talk about without kind of showing our hands as to which players we like, which players we. So I guess the thing to do is just to have some kind of bullshit speculation about, I guess what you would call just random shot in the dark ideas about what other teams are going to do. So I guess let's, well, before we get started, you know, this past year was probably, I mean, we made some major changes to the league or not changes necessarily, but just additions. We got the podcast going, we have the, uh, the Mots. Those were some great additions. I don't know how much better we can get. I mean, trading was awesome last year. We had lots of trades. I was really racking my brain about improvements and I can't think of any. Have you thought of anything? No, man. I mean, I think we've really ramped up our game in like the last couple of years since COVID. And like, I think we're at peak, peak fantasy already right now. So I think it's more about maintaining rather than, you know, trying to force any improvements at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think we're pretty dialed in in terms of having a uh, a really just awesome league with great rules, great little uh, additions like the podcast and the Mots. Um uh, yeah, it just seems dialed and a great crew of uh, of fantasy players. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the 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 switch we made last year, trading out uh, Otto Rob for Wally, really was the kind of cherry on top to get the the right ten guys in there. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, well, uh, let's get some just wild, absurd speculations about team builds for the coming year. Um, do you want to get started, or should I get us started? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can, I can go first. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really get into like super, uh, kind of, you know, detailed sort of speculation about how people are going to put their, their, um, rosters together. But I mean, I just put together a couple notes on just some random, like speculative ideas on how things are going to go for them. So I think, uh, we, right. We each got five guys to, to go through. So I'll start with, um, Frank, who's our, Unfortunately, our two-time defending champion at this point, and you know, I could have uh, I could have taken this in direction of talking about his greasy little fingers and his you know big old pepperoni nipples, but you know, I'm not going to do that. Actually, instead, I'm actually going to give him the props that I think he deserves for for actually pretty much killing it last year. Because you know, two years ago, Twiz, you there? Yeah, sorry. Um, where'd you lose me? Uh, you said two years ago, but you can't click out of the app. If you click out of the app, it stops recording you. Yeah, no, it's just the phone screen died. So anyway, yeah, two years ago, um, right? I think that's when he got Aaron Jones for like four Bitcoin or something like that. 
So that was like just a big oversight by the rest of us. But last year, I think he legitimately did draft well and then pulled off some good fleecings as well in a couple of trades during the season. And, you know, I think that was where his, 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 his uh, you know, career in sales really shined through because I think he managed to convince a few people that they were making these kind of mutually beneficial deals when really the reality was that he was just squeezing out a lot of value from these guys. So, you know, overall, I think Frank has pretty much shown that he's a good player and um, I, I expect he'll probably put together a pretty strong team again in the draft, but I do expect he'll also have some regression in trades and then hopefully run into a little bit of bad luck as well. So, you know, I think he'll be a playoff team. He'll be in contention, but I highly, highly doubt that he'll be able to pull off the, the, the unprecedented three-peat at this point. So I disagree. Frank has just gotten absurdly lucky over the past two years. I don't think he's that good of a fantasy player. Um but we'll see what happens. But I mean, if you look at his draft where he spent his money, he got nothing. But getting Debo for five Bitcoin was huge. Getting Joe Burrow, who really didn't do anything until the fantasy playoffs and he just completely went off, was huge. Getting James Conner for two Bitcoin was also huge. He did spend big on Josh Allen, which, you know, good for you. But, uh, the rest of his big money picks really did not play out. You know, he spent 24 Bitcoin on Aaron Rodgers, 25 on Chris Carson, 18 on Amari Cooper. I guess Amari Cooper had an okay year. You know, where he spent his money, DeAndre Hopkins didn't have a great year. He had a hot start, but that's about it. Where he spent his money really didn't pay off, and he got lucky on two kind of last-minute or, you know, low, low cost, just kind of Hail Marys on Debo and uh, James Conner. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a deep dive into the last year's draft like that, so it's hard for me to comment. But, I mean, I think he did manage his team well in in season then and made some good trades. And uh, I, I mean, agree with the trades. He got he, some fleecing done, and, yeah. And I, I think that's really what helped him get to victory, along with, obviously, getting Debo at whatever cheap price he did. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add about Mr. Frank sausage uh, tits and uh, greasy things? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, you should go for your first guy. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Nikki because I feel like Nikki, I have a, I have a pretty good feel for what Nikki's going to do. First of all, he's obviously drafting Brandon Ayuk. He was so loyal to Brandon Ayuk all year long. Um, keeping him on his bench, even when all the news coming out of camp was super negative. Now we got some positive news. So I just feel like, and as a matter of fact, I, I see him bidding on pretty much every Niner because he's just that type of loyal guy. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the sort of X factor with Nikki is that he's the he's got the most distractions in the league at this point. Um, Last time I saw him in person, he he actually expressed doubt about whether he'd be able to, to participate this year. And since then, he, he he called that just a momentary sort of lapse of judgment and a moment of weakness. So he I know he's committed, but he's the reality committed. Yeah. He, he's committed, but he's also got the most distractions as well in terms of two there kids. Could some, there could be some lineup mistakes throughout the year. But either way, because of his infatuation with Ayuk, I think it's important that when he, when we put Ayuk out there for bidding, someone bids it too. It makes Nikki spend at least three Bitcoin on Ayuk because you know he's going to go for it. 
I mean, I, I think he's got the least time to be watching football, so he's the most likely to make homer picks in general and overestimate the value of Niner players. Yeah. Um, also, I can I see him uh, going for Ezekiel Elliott because obviously after naming his child after another famous Dallas Cowboys running back, uh, Emmett Smith, I just I feel like he's going to want to get that Cowboys running back in, so I think he's going to go after Zeke. Obviously, Nikki just is such a huge Dallas Cowboy fan to a point where he would name his second child after a uh, Hall of Fame running back from the Dallas Cowboys. So those are my kind of two feels for Nikki. I'm saying Ayuk and Zeke. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into how I'm feeling about certain players, but yeah, I don't know if that uh, that kind of core is really what I'd be trying to build this year. Well, I'm not talking about the players as much as I'm talking about Nikki's loyalty to Ayuk and then the fact that his child is named after a Dallas Cowboys running back. Yeah, fair so, enough. Why don't you take the next one? Sure. Uh, so next on my list, I've got Ace. He was uh, he finished in second place last season, and then of course he was in the pits uh, two years ago. So he's been really up and down, um, right? Jumping from last place, making it to the to the I finals think he last in, year. I didn't. I don't think he finished. Did he finish in second place, or was that? Kevin? Yeah, he made. He, no, I'm pretty sure he made it to the finals last year, um, and I'm pretty sure he lost to Frank in the in the championship game. Um, I'll believe you. Yeah, he'll he'll have to somebody will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, yeah. So at this point, he's been a uh, pretty up and down for the last two seasons, and so I'm kind of expecting that he'll level off and sort of uh, right, kind of split that difference, finish somewhere in the middle of the pack, and uh, I assume you know, competing for those last few playoff spots, right, like the fifth, sixth place, something around there, and you know, I think the the only kind of X factor here for possibly is that right. He's a, I believe he's a recent home buyer. And so on one hand he might have, uh, you know, maybe he's got a little bit of extra physical space to, to himself and he can, uh, and also he might be a little bit of, uh, you know, he might be a little keen to have a little extra income coming in to, to cover this house purchase. So maybe that's going to be something that drives a little more focus on, on fantasy football this year and uh, might improve his performance a little bit. Okay. I can see that. Uh, it there are going to be home improvement projects though, and those typically get scheduled on Sunday. So instead of watching football, you know, he might be putting in a new fence or mowing the lawn. That could be a distraction too. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's true, and that's really where the sort of wife management skills come into play. And you got to get those, got to get those things done on Saturdays instead. Now, yeah, I I blew that one scheduling a trip during uh, draft season. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that was that was just a huge oversight on your part. And I mean, I guess you're 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 being duly punished for that by getting up at some ungodly hour to to get the draft done. Yep. Okay. Anything else to add for Ace, or are we moving on? Uh, no. I'm just expecting somewhere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe say like fourth to seventh place kind of finish in the regular season for him. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Holden next. Um, Holden's another homer like Nikki. I think he, uh, he's very likely to go after Niners just because it, it makes you feel warm inside when you can watch the game and, you know, doubly celebrate the team's success. Um, 
But I also I see him going after Jimmy G. Alex just loves Jimmy G. And uh, <laughs> whether he gets traded to Seattle or anywhere else in the league or even the Canadian Football League, I I just imagine that uh, we're going to see Jimmy G somehow end up on Alex's bench and uh, Wally is just going to tear into him about it. Yeah, no, I, I think he's lucky in that case that we're we're, we're we've added the points per Canadian touchdown uh, scoring metric this year. Yep. And how's the what's the conversion rate to a, an American touchdown? Is it the same as dollars to you know Canadian dollars? Exactly. I, I haven't been keeping track of uh, the, that exchange rate, but I'm sure you know somebody like Taylor can probably help us out with that. Perfect. Uh, he also got burned by Christian McCaffrey last year getting injured. And Alex's strategy last year was I'm going to spend big on a couple of players and um, and just kind of fill in the rest of my team with, you know, guys and I'll figure it out as I go. It did not work out for him, obviously. So I, I think he may go the opposite direction next year and do a little more of a twist strategy, which is, you know, spread the love, spread the Bitcoin out a bun- amongst a bunch of players. But I don't think I think both strategies can work and both strategies can get you screwed. So I don't know if it's going to make a huge amount of difference. And then he also likes those old wide receivers. He had uh, Julio Jones last year. He traded for Antonio Brown. So I feel like Michael Thomas is probably another old wide receiver, you know, kind of guy that Holden's going to go after. Yeah, I mean, again, I haven't I haven't sort of looked back at last year's draft as closely, but. For sure, he definitely got absolutely fucked by, uh, I, yeah, for sure, McCaffrey. And I'm pretty sure he had drafted Calvin Ridley last year. I just remember he, that he, because that was he did that was such Calvin a Ridley. brutal, brutal, brutal pick. So, yeah. I mean, he, he got the worst of the luck last year. So, if anything, I, I imagine he's probably bound to have a little bit of uh, positive regression in terms of that kind of luck this year. Okay. Who's next on your list? Um, so next I've got Cappy who I believe finished third place last season and was in fifth place two years ago. So just a very sort of middle of the pack type of player. Not never really had a very notable finish except for, I think he was fighting to protect his pits once at some point. He was, um, I'm just going to interject here. I screwed myself in that third, fourth place game because when I was playing to get into the semis, I was playing Nikki, and uh, I think that this is when I told Cappy to go all in on Rashad Penny. Uh, it was either that game or it was the game where I was playing Franco, and I didn't want Franco to get him. I can't remember exactly when Cappy picked up Penny. And Penny crushed me in that uh, third, fourth place game. I think he had like right, right. points. Um, yeah, I, just, I, mean, I... I wish I had that uh, AP money left over to go after him myself, but, you know, shoot or shoot. Yeah, man. I mean, this is where, yeah, I'd forgotten about this, but yeah, I mean, you were, you were, you know, rightfully punished for your tampering ways. So, I mean, I don't think you're going to, you're going to find any sympathy from anybody else in the league here. Cause we know you like to shoot out those Sunday morning texts, telling people what to, you know, how to tinker with their lineups. So. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think you're uh, anybody's, you know, shedding a tear for you there. But anyway, so Cappy, though, I think um, what I remember from his team last year was uh, basically he had kind of the opposite of Holden's situation where I'm pretty sure he had a super healthy team all season. And so, like I was saying about Holden, I think he's likely to have some kind of, you know, 
for Holden, positive regression in terms of this sort of weird injury slash just player shit going on. I think Cappy might be going in the other, other direction. And he's bound to have a little bit more of a harder time with injuries this season, I think. And so, I mean, he's essentially just been, again, like pretty unnotable fantasy player so far. And I think uh, kind of like Ace, he'll be in the middle of the pack, you know, competing for those, you know, final two playoff spots. So somewhere in that kind of, yeah, fifth, sixth place kind of finish in the regular season. But, you know, because of what I'm saying about this injury regression, I think he does have the potential to fall into that sort of bottom tier of the league and have to defend his pits again. So, yeah, I think Cappy somewhere, you know, middle of the pack to bottom half uh, finish is most likely. Okay. I'm going to go with Bill next. Um, Bill's an old school type of guy, you know. He's uh, He's got a little bit of a old man in him. And... Um, one thing that I know about those older generation managers of football teams is they believe that defense wins championships. <laughs> and I'm not talking about team defenses. I, I see Bill employing a lot of blocker strategies. So, you know, in the draft, if he notices that Twiz's team is in desperate need of a running back and there's only one kind of RB2 left, I can see Bill bidding on him because he figures, you know, a good defense is a good offense and every team that he can get out just by uh, putting in those blockers that helps him along and moves him up one space just to get him to the playoffs. So I could see him employing that type of strategy. We've seen it before on the waiver wire, never in the draft. We've seen him pick up players on the waiver wire just to make sure his competition can't get him, but I could see it finding its way into the draft. Yeah, no, I, I I have to agree with you there because I think, yeah, Bill is the type of guy who's just looking for these little edges wherever he can find them. And so that's why he'll be, you know, calling me up at like 8 a.m. to start lobbying for certain rules and things like that. And right. He like he'll, he'll deploy. Basically, he'll get his lawyers involved to sort of basically go through, you know, the, the, the league rule book and find every little loophole he can. So, yeah, yeah. I think you're right that finding He's those not- little edges. What he's not to be trusted. He he's a slimy motherfucker. He, I mean, we all remember when he texted me, "Don't worry about it. I'll accept the trade, you know, in the morning." And then all of a sudden, he accepted your trade, and I'm I'm left holding the bag. I mean, just he can get slimy. So he's he's liable to pull some slimy shit in the draft. And then also last year, when we want to talk about injuries, Bill's team was just completely injured all last year, and he. Even players who are notable, you know, just brick houses like uh, Derrick Henry got injured. So I'm wondering if he goes the opposite way and kind of just like a uh, a fit of emotion and just starts drafting all the most injury-prone players. So like McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Debo Samuel, Saquon. Bill's just going to go after the guys that are known for injuries. That way, you know, he can uh, say it wasn't his fault. Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, yeah, for sure. His team did definitely face a lot of injuries last year, and he was, uh, you know, he was not shy about letting people know about that. I remember that for sure. Yeah, I mean, he could barely put out an entire lineup. His entire bench was injured on many given weeks, and he just didn't want to drop anyone. So it was just, you know, who was there. Speaking of which, I love that rule. I love that we don't have an IR because it makes the waivers so much more exciting because you're put in these situations where you have to drop people you like uh 
So I love that part of it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it just, it, it adds a lot more kind of strategy and sort of thinking ahead and planning that you have to do for sure. Yeah. Okay. Who's your next, uh, who's your next person? Cool. So next I've got Keenan who, yeah, last year he finished in ninth place. He was fighting for his pits. And then two years ago he finished fourth place. And then obviously we all remember he, uh, yeah, he was in the pits the year before that. He was the first guy to, to, to finish there. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned this at one point when we were talking, but yeah, he's definitely, you know, even without looking back on drafts, I definitely recall that he's used this sort of pretty peculiar boomer bust sort of draft strategy where he ends up taking a shitload of running backs. Yeah, and, it's all running backs. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, not, not a strategy that I would, you know, I, I think in... I think it worked once, particularly during the COVID year when there was just chaos and just having that kind of depth at that position in particular was like super critical. But in general, I he's he's a player who I think has made some kind of curious moves, should I say, at times. And like just overall, you know, sorry, Keenan, I just don't have a ton of faith in in what he's been up to in terms of fantasy. So you know, he's a guy who's been in the pits before. He's finished in ninth last year, and I, yeah, I could see him ending up in a position where he's he's having to protect his pits again this coming season. Okay. Anything else to add, or is that what we're going with, Keenan? Yeah, I. You know, unfortunately, I'm for now. My reckless prediction is that yeah, he he's going to be in somewhere in the sort of bottom third or so of the league. Okay. I, I also agree. I think, you know, he'll probably take seven to eight running backs. It's just, that's Keenan. It's obviously not worked out for him, but I think he just, he doesn't care. That's his strategy and he's sticking with it. Yeah, there you go. So my next one is Wally. Wally is difficult to uh, judge for many reasons. Obviously he's only been in the league for one year. So the, the data set on him is just not very significant. Um, and then he's Wally. He's just unpredictable. You don't, you know, he's a big sports fan, so he obviously knows about football, but clearly did not pay off for him this past year. Uh, even though I felt like he had a pretty incredible draft, um, you know, the players he took in the draft, we're talking Jonathan Taylor. He had David Montgomery, who had a good year. Javonta Williams, Terry McLaurin, like those are all really good picks. And I'm looking back at this draft and I'm just wondering how the hell did this guy do so poorly with so many good players who had good years on his team? Um, so that led me to my next thing. I think Wally is just, it doesn't matter the situation he's put in. He's going to find a way to screw it up. Um, so that's what I see <laughs> happening. I think he'll have a pretty good draft. I think he knows his football enough to do well, but he's just going to make some questionable calls throughout the year um, to screw it up. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I think might have been forgotten about last year's draft is that Wally actually had to go auto Wally for some some period of the draft. That's probably like the second half, maybe. And, and that's when so... those good pick. That's when he got Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, it could be. 
So I'm I'm hoping though that this year he'll be able to make it for the. I'm I'm just hoping we won't have any auto picks going on, and that everybody's roster will be fully made of their own doing. And yeah. so I'm not sure about how uh, Italian internet is, but uh, that is a concern I have. Is you know my Airbnb in Naples, Italy internet, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, if that Wi-Fi connection is as lazy as Frank, then you might be in trouble. Um, yep. But. Yeah, no. So somehow though, Wally, man, like he ended up with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, essentially like the most valuable player probably right in, in fantasy last year is the number one running back. And to have that kind of asset on your team and to finish dead last is just pretty remarkable, honestly, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like you're saying, pretty, pretty hard to predict, but um I, I think he Kind of in, in a similar way to what you do, I think he might be a bit of an overthinker, and that might end up screwing him again this year. Yeah. The other thing I know about him is he's going to – I mean, I'm just going off of one year. Uh, my my guess is his first nomination is going to be a kicker because Wally just wants to secure that most important piece of his team early. Yeah, and he's just got that contrarian in him, so he's going to start not by nominating a kicker and a defense or something like that. Yep. Okay, now I think I'm up, right? Uh, no, that was you had. Yeah, no, you had Wally, so I think uh, I'm up with my last one. Your last one's me. That's what I meant. Which is yeah, which is obviously yeah, exactly you. So, um, last year you finished fourth place. Uh, the year before that you finished in seventh place, and so you've actually been pretty, despite all the shit you like to talk, you've been pretty middle of the pack for for the last few years now. And just in terms of your tendencies, I know for sure you're the one who does the most research. And so I think that's actually a strength for you, but it's also your downfall because you overthink things. I think you get a little too just sucked into the kind of week to week hype of different guys who are like on the waiver wire and things like that. And that's how you end up with, you know, poor decisions like spending 40 something Bitcoin on, on like an 8 million year old Adrian Peterson midseason. And so, yeah, that kind of like overvaluation that you place on on random dudes in midseason is definitely part of your downfall, I think. Oh, yeah, that, and, that was huge. I would have had like two or three great waiver wire pickups to get me to that, you know, to the glory land if I hadn't done that. That was a, a big mistake. Yeah. So basically, though, I, I think you probably pay too much attention to finish really near the pits at the bottom. But. I honestly don't think I'm not, I don't really see a championship coming for you unless you you're able to stay a little bit more even keeled throughout the season, which I, I have my doubts. You can do that. I, I think your criticism of me is fair in that. I think uh, I got a little too antsy in my pantsy thinking that uh, AP was just going to step in and be old, you know, the uh, AP of his younger years. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, like you said, if you had just, uh, you know, saved a little bit of that pit coin and dropped it on somebody like Rashad Penny, you might have, uh, yeah, might have had a different result. Because you yeah. did make a great pick with Cooper Cup last year. That was, uh, that could have, uh, yeah, if things turned out a little bit differently with your waivers and midseason moves, that one, that that pick could have carried you to the to the finals. Yeah. I had Kelsey, too, who had a great year. I, I did 
pick really just screwed me. So now let's get into Twiz. So Twiz for a commissioner for all the uh, the time he spends, you know, doing research and helping this league along, really has not had much success recently. Um, but if you look back to when he did have success, it was when he had two stud quarterbacks. He had Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes when he won his championship. So I can see him try to rekindle that by going heavy into the QBs um, and trying to find some value in the mid-range wide receiver and running back room. Um, but I do think that he's probably, well, you are probably a little butthurt about your uh, poor performance. So I can kind of see you swinging for the fences for some, you know, taking on a little too much risk this year, really going for it, wanting to get back in the winner circle. But most of all, I think you just love trading. Uh, so I think you're going to be drafting not just with your team in mind, but also with other people's wants and needs in mind, hoping that you can make some uh, deals once you uh, break the seal on your trade and you go full trade bender. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, for sure. I think I've finished like eighth place or something like that two years in a row. So yeah, it's been a it's been a tough couple seasons here since uh, yeah ever since I had that Lamar season and he just carried me to a championship. But I mean, I definitely took some swings last year with some trades, and uh, you know, I did basically I didn't really like how my team was shaping up because uh, you know after the first few weeks, and so I definitely just swung for the fences a little bit. And yeah, those risks definitely didn't pay off, but you know, you just kind of got to go for it sometimes when you got to you know, reset the deck a little bit. So I went for it, didn't work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely looking for, looking for a bounce back season here. And I mean, thinking about how I might approach the draft a little bit differently or not, but yeah, definitely uh, prepping a little bit to, to go for that bounce back for sure. Okay, well, that pretty much wraps it up. Do you want to add anything? Any message for our league mates from the commissioner? Um, I don't know. I mean, let's just uh, let's just get everybody involved in the draft for the whole time, so that we're not doing any, so we're not doing any um, auto wally auto drafting kind of bullshit this year. Yeah, I guess uh, if someone drops off, maybe we'll do like a, a two-minute pause just in case it's someone's internet and, you know, they're resetting the uh, the router. Yeah, we'll have to figure it out if it if it happens. But, um, yeah, hopefully that won't be the case. But, yeah, no, I mean, otherwise, super, super fucking pumped for this. It's been a, it's been a long off season. Yeah, man. It's, life with fantasy football is just so much more exciting. Yeah, only problem for me is the – it's going to be kind of hard to watch games. I mean, I think Red Zone probably kicks off around like 8 p.m. or something here. So I could probably catch that first first round of games. But it's going to be tough to tough to watch the Niners, though, unfortunately. Yeah, you can always watch like the uh, game summaries. They put them up on YouTube and you kind of see all the, the big plays and important plays. So got to do what you got to do. Yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, there's... You know, by week, you know, 15, 16, it gets a little tedious. But at least early in the season, there's nothing quite like just fantasy football and just red zone and just fucking binging that shit for hours. A hundred percent. All right. Well, looking forward to a twiz and, uh, you know, to the league. As you requested, here's your uh, 
little podcast to tide you over for the next two weeks until we get into the draft. And then I think from there on out, the first two podcasts will probably have to be without me. Twiz, I think you're going to have to take a lead on that because uh, it's one thing to draft while on vacation with your wife. I think podcasting with on a vacation with the wife is going to be really difficult to pull off. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that'd be a tough sell for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, until, uh, until the draft, man, talk to you later. Yeah. See you later.